Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. into the final eight for the championship run. We have what it takes to win it. I've won a few championships, and if you want to come up and take it from me, you're going to have to do all that stuff to get there. You want to dominate every race. We feel as though we're right on target, so you go out there and repeat as champions again. Kyle Busch is going to win in the Granite State. Kyle Busch wins at Dover. Talladega, it is a track with nearly 50 years of history. It's the longest track on the NASCAR circuit, and it is the one that is known for mayhem. And now it's the middle race in the round of 12 of the Monster Energy Cup Series playoffs. What's up, everybody? Welcome into NASCAR America. Carol Amano alongside Talladega winner Brian Vickers. And joining us from NBC Charlotte, we also have Kyle Petty and Nate Ryan standing by. We're going to hear from everybody shortly. But first, let's take a look at what we've got in store for you today. Martin Truex Jr. is going to tell us why he feels he needs to be more of a jerk in order to have success at Talladega. Those are his words. We'll get into that. We're also going to revisit yesterday's smoke show at Texas Motor Speedway, show you how Tony Stewart has helped raise over a million and a half dollars for a worthy cause, and Junior's last ride at Talladega. The sport's most popular driver has been great there in his career. Is this weekend his last chance to win in the 88? But we're going to start with the playoffs, four races in, and thus far it's basically been a two-man show. Martin Truex Jr. won the opener in the round of 16 and also the opener in the round of 12. And then in between that time, Kyle Busch won a pair of races. So let's look back in Victory Lane Review, our playoff edition. The playoffs start. Drama at a peak level, that's for sure. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. is in the wall in two. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. missed pit road. He is now a couple of laps down, back in the 40th position. Kyle Busch, what a perfect stage he has put together. You ready? Loose wheel. Ten par, you got which side? Over the wall, please, dude. You have to do a pass-through. Multiple issues with the 18 have relegated them back a couple laps down now. Martin Trex Jr. now fighting for the lead. Near leader, 78, come on. He's on his way to the round of 12. Bringer to the Cheshire flag. Winner, Chicago, back to back. Congratulations, Mark. Kyle Busch, 15th here this afternoon. I sure that's all out of our system. Go ahead and start finish line and do your celebration, my brother. Martin, you did it, brother. There's that. Oh, yeah! <laughs> this is awesome, man. I'm uh, so excited. You know, this is, uh, this is the playoffs. This is what it's all about. A picture-perfect day in the Granite State. Green flag is in the air on race two of the playoffs. You're clear. All clear. Your leader, 78, for the 19th time this season. Stage winner, 
Got a car sideways. Kevin Harvick, he's right in the middle of the racetrack. He's got one spinning on the bottom. He's trying to mid-track. He's mid-track. He's mid-track. He's up top. He's up. 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 There's enough room there, right? Right. And in. 41 just tried to cold trickle it. The track was blocked and hit him pretty hard in the door. What happened there? Three hit us. Three just run us down. Coming left. Don't know what he wants me to do. Absolutely. Nothing wrong with that. Lots been made about that 18 picker. Remember, that's a new crew starting last week. Clear, all clear, all clear. Held the lead off pit road. Casey Kane slow and now stopping on the racetrack. Something broke in the rear end. I can see it. Yeah, 10-4. One side of the mountain came loose and it finally broke the other side. Kyle Busch is going to win in the Granite State. Yeah. Way to go, team. Good job. This thing was awesome. So uh, we ran up front all day long. We executed. We did a good job. And uh, it's awesome to win here in the Granite State right in front of these fans. You know, it's pretty cool to, to win here on this hot day. Dover International Speedway. It's the Monster Mile. The drivers that are currently below the cutoff line are going to have to find something special today if they want to still have a shot at the title at season's end. The final race of the round of 16. Green flags in the air. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. maybe trying to use a little strategy here, hoping that a caution may come out. we got a spin coming on the pit road. Stay out, cars a huge advantage for Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Brad Keselowski wins stage one at Dover. Fourth goes to Ricky Stenhouse Jr. He will earn seven points. Well, those points have changed the ball game. Chase Elliott's the leader of the race, has a big lead, a four-second lead. To 24, trying to get by the lap traffic. Two cars side-by-side, side, taking the fast lane away from him. That is going to kill this lap time. Here comes the 18 on the outside. Chase Elliott trying to hold on on the bottom. Kyle Busch is going to pass him for the lead. Kyle Busch is going to win at Dover. Yeah, Chase Elliott, so close to getting that first win. I'm so sorry, guys. So sorry. Jack's coming. 17 is going to advance to the round of 12. It's a home race for most of the teams here at Charlotte Motor Speedway with the first race of the round of 12. Green flags in the air. Kevin Harvick has a 2.7 second lead. Trouble, Kyle Busch loses the car and the caution flag is out. Everything's rubbing, assess the damage and clear the tires before we go start sticking bare bond on everything. And now he's mired back in the 31st position. Kevin Harvick, winner of stage one and now stage two. Oh, big hit by the 38 into Danica Patrick in the 10. The 78 will get out in front of the four of Harvick. It has been a rough day for Kyle Busch. I'm going to need some medical attention afterward. Going to need air and ice, cold water. Under a handful of laps, a sprint to the finish. He's been dominant at mile-and-a-half tracks. This time he started 17th. I hear you, my brother. Victory lane today. Nice job, Mark Truex Jr. I didn't think it was any way we'd win this race in the car, man. You guys are the best. Kyle Busch got out of his car. And you can tell that it was a toll on him today. Everybody on this team is amazing. You know, we just never gave up on it. We kept digging and uh, never give up attitude. I'm so proud of those guys. It's an honor to drive for them. So as we head to Talladega now, Martin Truex Jr. safely into the round of eight. You'll note that he and Kyle Busch are both Toyota drivers. However, Toyota has only one win at Talladega since 2009. That one belongs to Denny Hamlin, who sits fifth on the playoff leaderboard right now. Let's listen to what Hamlin told Marty Snyder earlier this week as it relates to this weekend's strategy. 
there is no laying back in this race. I think that you know nobody feels safe where they're at. Uh, so you're going to want to go up there and race for for stage points uh, because you you don't you can't guarantee that you're going to be in the field when it when the points are paid at the end of the day. So you have to do everything you can to get as many points as you can. Uh, but I, I think it'll be somewhat calm for the first two stages because people want to they want to stick around um (laughs) for the end but uh i I suspect the last 10 laps is just gonna be mayhem so no one laying back like that was smart what your teammates were doing last year but i know it frustrated you you were trying to race your way in you don't think if you're in the playoffs you can afford to lay back sunday correct Martin Truex, he's the only guy that can that, that can afford to do it. Uh, but my guess is he's got nothing to lose, so he will be uh, a guy that's going to be very aggressive uh, on Sunday, and hopefully someone that uh, will will we can work with. Uh, you know, last year that was the challenge; is my teammates were pretty much locked in, so they ran in the back of the pack, and I had to run up front and try to battle with all these other teammates all day long, and that was a that was a tough task. So. You know, we know we'll have them all up there with us on Sunday, and hopefully we can work together like we did uh, at Daytona a few years ago. Let's open this up for some discussion now. Brian, start with yeah. you. Your takeaways from what Denny Hamlin was saying, stage racing obviously going to play a, a role this weekend. It's going to play a huge role. I mean, I, I agree with much of what he said other than it's going to be calm the first two <laughs> segments because everyone's got to get to the end. Everyone's got to get to the end of every race at Talladega or Daytona always, <laughs> and it's never calm. So I don't know that I buy. I mean, it's interesting. It's a, di- it's a different thought on it. I do think that there's going to be more aggressive racing through those stages. I think the stages are going to really matter. That's one thing I love about this playoff system, and we've seen a lot of it throughout this whole season, but especially now that we're in the playoffs, I think it's going to really start showing up. I mean, Talladega is no longer the cutoff race, which also changes things. So people, no one can ride through this. And I think those stage points are going to be really valuable to who goes to the next round. So you're going to see a very different race. Whether or not it's calm, we'll, we'll see on we'll see on Sunday. But I, I don't know that I buy the whole, well, everyone's got to get to the end, so it's going to be calm. Well, that's always the case. Because if stage points are so valuable, wouldn't it be yeah. a little bit more aggressive driving than we've seen in the past? Yeah, you know, there's a balance there. And I understand Denny's point, which is the most valuable points are at the end of the race. And, and you know, the guy that wins the race is going to be guaranteed through, regardless of how many stage points there are uh, that are handed out throughout the race. Uh, that being said, those stage points do matter. And, and I think you're going to see more aggressive driving at the end of each of those stages. And, and, and then how you position yourself, you know, leading up to the end of the stage, right? It's not just about the lap before the checkered flag in the stage or at the end of the race. It's how you position yourself the, the 30, you know, 20, 10 laps leading up to that. Are you in position to get those points? Let's bring in Kyle and Nate on this. Nate, what's the consensus that you've heard from a number of drivers um, as it relates to this exact topic, the role that stage racing is going to play in this, and also the fact that this is not a cut race as it has right. been in the past? Yeah, I, I think both of those things are critical here, Carolyn. One, I, you know, I think Brian's right. I don't think it'll be calm the way Denny Hamlin thinks. It might be for guys who are, say, like, 15th to 20th toward the final few lapses of the stage, maybe they'll back off. But first through 15th, if they're within a tight enough window here, Kyle, where they can get to the front. And we saw at Dover, stage points were the difference in Ricky Stenhouse Jr. getting to the round of 12. And as Carolyn just mentioned, this is no longer a cutoff race. No one knows where they have to finish in order to advance to the next round. You're not going to know, obviously, until next week going into Kansas. So every point matters more than ever. So I think those two dynamics, the fact that stage points are repaid in race for the first time in a playoff race at Talladega, and secondly, Kyle, that drivers don't know definitively where they have yeah. to be at the end of this race, that's going to change the game. Yeah, I, I think that's the key. Um, and, and I'll use the word cautious, but I'm going to say it's cautious aggression uh, because they're going to be 
They're, they may be a little tentative getting up in there and trying to figure out where everybody's at, but that's the key. The key is this race is not a cut race. This race, you don't know how many points you have to have by the time we get to Kansas. You don't know where you're at. We saw Kyle Busch gut it out last week just to get a couple of points because he doesn't know where he's going to be when he gets to Kansas. He needed those extra points, and that was a gutty performance just out there riding around in the heat doing what he had to do. So I think when we get here, we're going to see the guys that need points, everyone but Martin Truex. And what we're going to see out of Martin Truex is he's got nothing to lose. He's going to run up front and try to take points away from these guys. He's on defense right now. He's going for the block. Let me win the first segment. Let me win the second segment. Let me win this race and block these guys and put these guys in a deeper hole. So it's going to be, uh, I think as we watch the top 10 or 15, I think everybody that is in the playoffs are going to be jockeying for those positions. And speaking of Kyle Busch, after watching that playoff review, I mean, talking about playoffs of extremes, it's yeah. either been really good or really yes. bad, either winning or having a really bad finish. So I think he'll be something to watch on Talladega, at Talladega for sure. I think Kyle brings up a really good point here. I was talking about Martin Truex. You know, it's interesting. I mean, his teammates, you know, if you look at the Toyota group, um, TRD, um, are probably the guys who's going to have to race for the championship. How much does he really want to help them? I know he's not going to go out of his way to hurt them, but, you know, I really am not – I mean, if I'm Martin Truex, I'm, I don't want to push Kyle Busch to a win or another stage point. I mean, that's probably the guy I'm going to have to race for the championship. You know, him maybe not making the cut is not so bad for Martin Truex Jr. Yeah, I was just writing down what Kyle was saying about blocking and playing defense and how important mm – -hmm. Nate, how important with the amount of points that he's accumulated to this point – um, how important is that defense going to be moving forward? Because I think some people watching at home who are just kind of navigating through this stage stuff, they say, oh, man, Martin Truex Jr. just got a ton of points. You know, what? Well, how important are they? I mean, I think they're really important, Carolyn. I think, like, he's got to look at it two ways and that, and not just him, but anybody who has Kyle Larson has a significant yeah. playoff bulge, even Kyle Busch who I think, as I just mentioned, I think he wants to win this race and put aside the, you know, the specter of what just happened at Charlotte. But the playoff points they gain aren't just insulating them against a potential stumble in the third round. It's yes. also keeping other guys from you know, having that insurance for the third round or advancing through this round. So I, I think regardless of how guaranteed you are, if, you, if you've earned a spot in the next round or if you have a big playoff point, bulge, yeah. I think you always want to Try to get more points at this yeah. point. There, there's a reason when, when Brian France, when we changed all this and it's winning, you're in, and winning is the most important thing, they kept the points right here because points are important too. Points are important to get to build that, that I guess, to build that nest egg, to build that cushion. But at the same time, with the understanding that every point that you gain is a point he doesn't get <laughs> makes it a double point for me. That's the way Martin Truex and some of these guys look at it. A Kyle Larson will look at it that way. Uh, a Kevin Harvick will look at it that way. If I'm gathering all the points, that means Kyle Busch is not getting him. That means Jamie McMurray's not getting him, and that's just as important. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think you're going to see a different race than, than you've ever seen at Talladega. That's what I'm excited about. I love this stage racing. I love the points. I can't wait to see how these drivers are going to handle this. And, and they're not all going to approach it the same way. Let's spend a little bit more time on Martin Truex Jr. when we come back after the break because some people think that the playoff pressure is off of him after advancing to the next round with the win. But as you can see, there's a lot for him to think about. Are we going to see a different side of him as he looks for his first win at Talladega? How is Truex actually approaching this weekend? He's going to tell us that next.
Only a couple of days, Sunday, the NASCAR playoffs continuing at the longest track in the sport, Talladega Super Speedway in Alabama, where absolutely anything goes, and the driver's hopes of advancing to the next round can be dashed in an instant. Sunday, 2 Eastern on NBC. We will see you there. And if you're wondering whether Martin Truex Jr. is still the driver to beat in this year's playoffs, all you have to do is pose that question to the other drivers who are still in the hunt for a championship. Right now, it is all Truex. Martin and the 78 team are definitely a team to keep an eye on. Martin Truex Jr. wins at Chicago Land. Obviously, the 78's really good. I think if you had to pick the guy right now, then Truex is the guy. It's important to come here and not let the pressure get to you. I think we did a good job of that. Truex is no question the man to beat. He will punch his ticket into the final eight for the championship run. some numbers for you. So the Monster Energy Series has had eight races on mile and a half tracks this season. Martin Truex Jr. has won five of them, including the last three in a row, and he has also led more than 800 laps and has finished no worse than eight. But Truex has never won at Talladega. In fact, he is 0 for 50 on restrictor plate tracks, and it is a stat that his crew chief, Cole Pern, almost got right after last weekend's win at Charlotte. I think Martin's like over 100 in speedway races, so I know we've had a couple ones we've got close, but man, we're uh, average finish-wise, we're pretty terrible. So, uh, you know, for us not to have to worry about that, and, and it's just the randomness of what can happen, but, you know, I, we always feel like we're in the randomness, so, you know, definitely uh, doesn't make you comfortable. I know everybody in the media makes a big deal about the bonus points, but all of a sudden, you know, we look at, you know, what happened to 18 today, we have a day like that, and then boom, we go to Talladega, and you know, all of a sudden we're going to Kansas sweating it. So to come out of here and know we're in the spot we're in is massive, absolutely massive. I got to be more of a jerk on the racetrack if I'm going to win a plate race because I'm just, I give too much room. I'm too cautious. I, I don't make those dumb moves that cause big wrecks, you know, like some guys do. And, and you see the guys that win there a lot are just erratic as hell and they're all over the place and you never know where they're going to go. Well, that's why they are good there, but that's also why they cause the big wrecks. So I'm kind of in the middle. Like I race like I normally do. I'm, you know, pretty cautious, pretty, I don't want to mess anybody up. And so I got to just race like a jerk this time around, I guess, since I got nothing to lose. See if we can win it. <laughs> So the good news is Truex having a sensational year, of course, nearly 2,000 laps led. The bad news, though, that goose egg on restrictor plate tracks over the course of his career. Brian, you've won at Talladega. Is what Martin Truex Jr. saying true? Does he just need to be a complete jerk? We don't normally see him act like a jerk. Is that what needs to change here? I think there's some truth to what he says. I don't know that you have to – I mean, I don't – he used the word jerk, and I don't know if that's necessarily the right word, but aggression is certainly a part of it. I mean, there's kind of a calculated aggression to a speedway. You have to be able to make that hole. You have to be able to, you know, work with someone to get you to the front and then dump them as soon as you need, right? Like that like that kind of behavior, which is like, okay, let's work together. But then the first guy that, that kind of that leaves the other one hanging um, is usually the guy that goes on to win the race, right? Like, And, and that kind of behavior, in the, and, and there's some truth to what he talked about. Some of that aggression comes with making mistakes. 200 miles an hour, bumper to bumper, inches apart. You know, when you drive that aggressively to make the moves you need to make to put yourself in contention to win these races, things are going to happen and you're going to make mistakes and sometimes you are going to cause the big one. And if you go out there and your first thought is, I don't want to cause the big one, it's really, really hard to win Talladega. 
Kyle, do you think, clearly this is in Truex's mind, he's thinking about this. Do you think we're going to see a different version of him this weekend? No, it's too late. Um, <laughs> and, and, it, and it is. And let me explain that. Let me explain that. And, and Brian knows this and Nate knows this. You've been in a million drivers meetings at Daytona and Talladega. It's give and take out there, boys. Make sure you give some, give a, give a guy a break. Don't take, take, take. What Martin Truex means is the guys that win these races take. They don't give anything. And, and, and I'm not going to use the word jerk, but I'm going to say when you start and you start driving at Daytona or Talladega and that's your M.O., then that's what people expect. People expect Martin to be kind. They expect Martin to let people in. <laughs> you look at Brad Kay, you know he is, he's not letting you in. We saw that from the very first time he showed up in James Finch's car. He's not given a quarter. He's going to take, take, take. And he's a guy that runs up front and wins at places like that. I don't think that Martin can change his stripes at this point in time. I think it's too late. If he, let me put it to you this way. If we're in the lunch line and I cut lunch line every single day, you expect Kyle's coming in. He's going to cut lunch line. My man here never cuts lunch line, but he walks in one day and he cuts and we all scream at him. And it's a big uproar because he cuts. That's Martin Truex right there. I'm Brad Kay. He's not changing. I'm going to run up front. All right, Nate, if you're in the lunch aisle, Kyle, I want you to just cut him right off. Okay? <laughs> moving, moving forward. All right, so you talk about the stripes maybe that he doesn't have, right? Maybe he's not that guy. Here's the set of stripes, Nate, that he does have. He knows how to win these stages. He knows how to accumulate stage points. And even though he wrecked at Talladega back in May, he finished fourth in both of those stages to earn 14 points. So that was the most of any driver in the field at that time. And again, I just wonder if this whole thing goes back to these stages that we've been discussing. I, you know, I think it does, Carolyn, but I think also in Martin Truex Jr.'s case in, in this moment, I, I think the reason he won two stages at Talladega in May is because he had that winless streak on his mind. I mean, that 0 for 50, obviously, is in his head. And I love this angle because Martin Truex Jr. is the feel-good story of the Cup Series. <laughs> and when you talk about somebody who has been, you know, an embodiment of faith and hope and has had such an inspiring and aspirational story and about overcoming adversity. I love that there's a dark yeah. edge here about like, <laughs> all right, I, I know you think of me as Mr. Nice Guy and I know that you've covered me that way the last few years, but I, I gotta get mean. If, you know, no more Mr. Yeah. Nice Guy if I wanna end this winless streak at plate races. And I think Kyle's right. I think it's about give and take. And I think we're hearing Martin Truex Jr. saying, no more give, it's gonna be take. And he's got now the insurance policy with the win at Charlotte to approach it that way. One thing real quick. I, I understand what Kyle's saying, and I've raced with Martin Truex for a very long time, and he is right in a lot of ways, but this is a different Martin Truex. He has the confidence of being the best driver on the track right now. You might see a different Martin Truex this weekend. I wouldn't count it out. All right, so you're predicting a little bit more aggression. Even though he says he's going to be a jerk, I don't even believe him because he's just that nice of a guy, but we'll <laughs> see. We shall see. Um, okay, so from a driver that we think may be a little aggressive this weekend to overall the most popular driver in the sport, Dale Earnhardt Jr., he may be from North Carolina, but Talladega is Earnhardt country. It is home to his biggest and loudest fans. Can he give them one more victory this weekend? We'll break down his chances.
We are definitely looking forward to Sweet Home Alabama. It's coming up soon. But every week, we take you to the Hall of Fame for a candid conversation with one of NASCAR's stars. So we thought we would look back now at some of the fun that we've had there over the last few months. Why do they have to put the lobster on your plate and these fucking eyeballs yeah, are right true. there? That's true. Would you rather be stuck on an island with Kyle Petty or Rutledge Wood? I think I'm, I'm safer by myself. <laughs> <laughs> that's the victory you need Sunday. I like that. That's four tires in under ten right there. I like that. I know you had a button on the dash that just puffed that white smoke and blew up your motor. Don't. <laughs> Why were you in the infield of Darlington at 4 a.m. waking people up? Just walked in a couple motorhomes. One guy, he said, I got a gun in my sleeping bag. I said, hey, man. I'm not Kyle Bush. So you're given the NASCAR rule book allowed to change and eliminate one rule. What do you pick? Ooh, um, being covered when. <laughs> <laughs> one thing I did get very blessed with was some hair. I could grow some hair. Even even today, she's got cameras in my face all the time. So <laughs> we call her we call her Mama Razzi. I I haven't thought of a good Halloween costume yet, but I might have to go. And more fun to come as we welcome Dale Earnhardt Jr. to our Hall of Fame set next Tuesday. Full hour with Jr. He's going to discuss his final full-time cup season. And who knows, maybe he'll be telling us about a win at Talladega. It is certainly a place where he has won six times before. Nothing in the world like race day at Talladega Super Speedway. Jimmy Johnson up top for third. Dale Earnhardt Jr. inside of Ricky Craven. Jr. to the bottom. They are three wide for the lead at Talladega. This is for the top spot. It returns three and four. Dale Jr. shoots out ahead. Kevin Harvick wants to make some noise before this one is over, and he has chased down the leader, Dale Earnhardt Jr. Jimmy Johnson spins down on the apron of the racetrack as they come down and take the white flag. The caution does not come out. Going for four in a row at Talladega. He makes it happen, winning the Aaron's 4.99. Dale Jr., the winner. It's cool, four in a row. Nobody bigger. I bet he's loving this. Man, I'm wore out, boy. I took everything I had. The fans on their feet, Jr. around the to win here five times. Well, I don't mean right now. They just don't want here ten times, so uh, I got to do a little more, but uh, do more winning, but we're going to get there. And uh, he was the master. I'm just following his chase. 26 laps to go. Down to the inside lane. Dale Earnhardt Jr. wants the lead back. He storms to the inside of Cole Whip. Here they come back to the strike. White flag waving here at the Talladega Super Speedway. Teammate Jimmy Johnson right behind. He's right behind him looking for a chance to pull down low. It's not going to work. Dale Earnhardt Jr. will win for the sixth time at Talladega Super Speedway. Just real emotional. I haven't won here in a long time. It was my daddy's birthday a couple days ago. You know, everything's just so good for me right now. You know, I don't feel like I deserve it, but uh, we just got a really, really good group of guys. I'm blessed, man. I'm blessed. Everything's going so great. Dale Earnhardt Jr. certainly did deserve it. He's lived up to the tradition of excellence that his father created at Talladega. Dale Sr. earned a record 10 victories at NASCAR's biggest track, like you may have heard. Junior six Dega wins is tied for second all-time with Jeff Gordon, so not bad company there. And I just wonder, Nate, you know, we we have seen kind of the same old story so far in these playoffs with Martin Truex Jr. and Kyle Busch winning all of these races. 
What are the chances that Junior gets this spotlight this weekend in his final full-time Cup Series season? I'm going to say better than 50-50, Carolyn, because it seems as if, Kyle, when you look at Dale Jr.'s career, he has a penchant for seizing the moment at these really opportune times, whether it's you know the first race at Daytona yeah. after his father's death or the first race after September 11th or the first race with, you know, then Nextel, now, then Sprint as the title sponsor in 2004. He just, to win that Daytona 500, he has a knack, I think, for coming out and winning at, when the stage is at its biggest. But I'll, I'll add the caveat that he's only got one win at Talladega since 2004, and I haven't seen him race at this track with the same confidence and really with the same car that he had. He did a lot of his winning in the 2001-2003 era with the DEI cars. Of course, were unbeatable. Yeah. And I don't know if he has that type of car right now with Hendrick. If he has it and he regains some of that confidence, I think he could win. Yeah, and, and I may not give it 50-50. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because I, I think there, there's that stupid saying, you, to, to run up front, you've got to run up front. And he's not run up front. And, and, and you know, and we were just talking in, in, in the break here uh, about having books on drivers, about understanding what a driver does in a certain situation. He's not raced with these guys on a restrictor plate up front enough for these guys to know what he does or for him to know what some of these new guys do. Remember, we've thrown Chase Elliott into the mix, Ryan Blaney, uh, so many new guys at that end of the stick, Kyle Larson, at that end of the field right now. So it's new to Junior when he gets up into that rare air and has to race at that end. Uh, is it a place we would like to see him win? Yes. I would have loved to have seen him win Daytona in July. Uh, at Charlotte this past weekend. There are those big stages that he has been able to step up in the past. This year, I just don't see it happening. We see the Hendrick organization not as dominant on the super speedways as they have been in the past, not as a contender uh, week in and week out like they have been in the past at Daytona, at, at Talladega. So I, I just don't... I, look, we've seen a million guys win one and only race there. From Richard Brickhouse to Ron Bouchard to Phil Parsons, guys like that. Yes, we have seen it happen. So it can happen, but I'm not counting on it happen. I think I fall somewhere between the two. I mean, I don't know that I'd give any driver on their best day in the best car a 50-50 shot when in Talladega. And I, I understand what Nate was, was trying to say, but like, there's just too many variables of that racetrack, regardless of the circumstances, your car, your driver, your ability, any of that stuff. Um, but I'm going to give it a little bit more than Kyle. Um, you know, I, I think that, I mean, I understand what Kyle's saying, and, and, and Junior and Hendrick Motorsports are not firing on all centers. They're not performing at their best. Um, but this track's a little different. I think at this track, you can make things happen. And I do think in these situations, which was Nate was pointing out, is that Junior does have an ability to really deliver when the pressure's on. And the pressure's on. He really wants to win in his last season. And there's no question, he and everyone else knows, that this is his best chance at it. It doesn't mean he can't win any of the other races, but with their performance, um, no one's going to hang their hat on that. Right here it is at Talladega, one of his favorite tracks. And regardless of how he's performed the last few years, he's still an excellent plate racer. It's one of those head versus heart scenarios, I think, for Junior Race Nation, because they yeah. really, really want it to happen. And, you know, we were with Tony Stewart for his farewell tour, and mm -hmm. we got to see him have that big moment as well. Yeah. He's been staying very busy in the meantime. Coming up, we're going to check in with Tony as he raises money for charity, the best way that he knows how. Plus, why Smoke feels good about Kevin Harvick's chances to win it all. That's next. All rise for Premier League mornings right here on NBCSN. English football's two most successful clubs meeting at historic Anfield as Manchester United visit Liverpool Saturday, 730 Eastern on NBCSN.
So four races down, six more to go in this year's Monster Energy Cup Series playoffs. This weekend's race at Talladega is the middle race in the round of 12, and holding that role in the next round, the round of eight, is Texas Motor Speedway, which hosts its playoff race on November 5th. Yesterday, three-time NASCAR champion and team owner Tony Stewart was at Texas Motor Speedway for his annual Smoke Show Fantasy Camp, where campers got the full race day experience. This event has raised $1.6 million for children's charities in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And during the day, Stewart talked about the camp and his remaining playoff driver, Kevin Harvick. It's to give them an idea what the entire day for a cup driver is on race day. So. Uh, you know, to be here, go to a, a driver's meeting, to have uh, driver introductions, a national anthem, uh, and, and then run two 10-lap sessions, and then at some point during the day, uh, you're going to ride with me for three laps. The cool part is this is the first time that I've been in a stock car since when I got out of the car at Homestead. So, uh, I mean, I haven't even sat in one. So um, that'll be kind of fun today to, to get back in it. And we have a good time, we joke around, we laugh, and uh, at the end of the day, we raise a lot of money for a great charity. Did that performance tell you that they, you guys can compete with, uh, with uh, Truex and Bush and Larson? For well, it's, it's encouraging for sure. I mean, we've been chasing the Toyotas all year, but this summer, I mean, it's just been little things that have kept Kevin from being in form like we're normally used to seeing him. But I think Charlotte was a good indication that we can still do it when we when we put the day together and then you know we drop the ball at the end of it and this is the time of year when you want to show strength and uh, you want your guys to feel like that that they're on on schedule to do what they need to do so brian let's start with tony getting back in a stock car i'm sure he was having a ton of fun but not more fun than those campers that really kind of paid to have that very special experience which not very many people get with with a driver of his caliber no very few people get it's uh it's an amazing it's amazing what he's done i mean look Tony and I, uh, we have a tremendous amount of respect. We've, we've built a friendship over the years. Uh, we've also had our, you know, very, very public feuds. Um, but, but I think underlying all that's been a lot of respect. And a lot of it goes back to what he does off the racetrack. Um, you know, I've, I've done a lot of stuff with, with, with Tony and his foundation over the years and helping them raise money. What he's put in is just, I mean, it's unbelievable how much money he's raised just in this one event, like you said, over $1.6 million. You know, Tony has always gotten, you know, a lot of grief for his behavior on the track or off the track, even, even at times with the media. But let me tell you something, when he takes his helmet off and he goes home, uh, he thinks about a lot of other people besides himself, even though he's, you, would, you wouldn't believe that at the racetrack. Yeah, we love having him here on NASCAR America. He's visited us a couple times. Uh, Nate, as far as what he said about Kevin Harvick, his driver who won those first two stages at Charlotte, what do you think Kevin Harvick showed us at Charlotte? I mean, I think he showed he could be a championship contender, Carolyn. I mean, certainly mile and a half tracks are the most important layout in the playoffs and that run at Charlotte where he led a lot of laps, he competed with the Toyotas and how he looked at Chicagoland as well. I know Rodney Childers felt like they had a really good car there uh, too. So I think that coupled with the fact that he is Stuart Haas Racing's lone shot left here at a title, Kyle, I, I think all those things will help him in trying to get to the championship round. Yeah, I, I think Kevin Char Harvick showed who Kevin Harvick is. Uh, when his back's against the wall, a lot of times he just picks the team up and carries it with him. And I think he did that at Charlotte. Uh, was it enough? To beat Martin Truex was enough to run up front with those guys. It was enough to run up front. It's not enough to beat them. Uh, they're going to have to improve a little bit more uh, to be in contention when they get to Homestead, I think. But they did a phenomenal job at Charlotte. 
Yeah, they really did. And, and, and you know, I, I spent a lot of time. Actually, I've known Rodney, his crew chief, since I was about seven years old. We raced go-karts together. And uh, he has that same ability as Kevin. I mean, there's no question that Kevin can really pick the team up and carry it. He's an incredible driver, especially when his back's against the wall. Um, but I would also say the same for Rodney Childress as well. He certainly got a few cards still left up his sleeve. I mean, they've got their work cut out for him. There's no question about it. The Toyota's been running really well. I always find it interesting how when, you're, when your competition's running well, you always talk about that like they need to be brought down but when you're running really well you never say hey someone needs to bring us down <laughs> <laughs> we don't have enough time to get into that discussion right now let's go to the indie series that's what we're going to hit on when we come back the verizon indycar series releases 2018 schedule what should fans expect next season the indycar ceo mark miles is going to share that with us when we come back <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. Last month at Sonoma, Team Penske's Joseph Newgarden finished second to clinch the 2017 Verizon IndyCar Series Championship. 26-year-old from Hendersonville, Tennessee, is the series' first American champion in the last five seasons. And earlier today, IndyCar revealed its 2018 schedule, which largely stays the same. However, there is one notable twist. Kevin Lee and a very special guest have the details on that. Well, in Indianapolis, unfortunately, we're already starting to think about winter, but we can begin to think about spring because the 2018 IndyCar schedule has been confirmed. This is Mark Miles, the CEO of IndyCar. It's a very similar schedule. Let's talk about the significant change, though. Watkins Glen exits, but a favorite, Portland, is back on the IndyCar schedule. Yeah, uh, sort of bittersweet in a way. Uh, Watkins Glen is a great traditional track for us, and our partners there, the, the promoters, did a fabulous job. They did everything possible. Tough time of year there. Um, but Portland is the best market, I think, in the whole country for IndyCar fans. There are more people watching the whole series on television in Portland than any other place in the country. So, uh, and, you know, they've got a great history, great racing, great finishes, and we're really excited to be back there in the same week uh, where Watkins Glen was this year. It's a permanent road course, and maybe one advantage that it has over Watkins Glen that it's more closely located to a lot of people. Yeah, no, this is an urban setting, and I think the holiday there uh, is actually a great advantage uh, for them in terms of the schedule. Uh, Mayor Wheeler and the, the whole community there have really embraced this. We've been in discussions with them for a couple of years to make sure we could get it all right. And uh, a very familiar set of faces in terms of the promoter with Green Savory. Uh, will be, they, those guys will be the promoter, and of course they do St. Petersburg and Toronto and, and uh, Mid-Ohio. So. They, uh, they always under-promise and over-deliver, and I'm sure that'll be the case in Portland. 17 races again, but there's still a chance of an 18th race next season? Yeah, we feel like we've waited long enough to put this schedule out, and, uh, and so we, we're moving forward. But there is a chance uh, that in Mexico we, have, we will have an opportunity to yet add another event. And we're not going to push that if, if all the conditions come together and there's still time to add it. Uh, probably in the early August period in for 2018, then we'll do that. But if not, we won't force the issue. We also know we're going to see a new look to the IndyCar, and fans can already see it. We've seen a lot of uh, social media hits of, of the car testing. Tell us about your excitement level and, and what we're expecting from the 2018 IndyCar. You just look at that car, and, and it creates excitement. It's uh, It's been universally acclaimed, I think, aesthetically in terms of the look of the car. It's uh, It's kind of retro but very sleek so fans like it uh, from from that aesthetic point of view 
been a number of tests so far. All the data is really good. The drivers who've had the chance to get behind the wheel are stoked about driving this car. We think it'll be uh, better racing. It'll be easier to pass. And, uh, you know, it, it will look great. And if it performs better, we'll be thrilled. March is not too far away. And as Mark mentioned, testing is already underway, but a big open test in early February in Phoenix. That's Mark Miles, the CEO of IndyCar. Thanks, Kevin. So here's a quick look at the schedule. It begins March 11th on the streets of St. Petersburg, Florida, and that starts to build up to the greatest spectacle in racing, the Indianapolis 500, that on May 27th. Second half of the season is highlighted by the return of Portland International Raceway on Labor Day weekend. Two weeks later, the season will come to a close once again at Sonoma Raceway. So we mentioned that Team Penske won the championship in IndyCar this year with Joseph Newgarden. On the NASCAR side of things, there's a pair of brothers within the Penske organization who grabbed our attention in this week's nominees for the Pit Crew All-Stars. Dwayne Ogles is the rear tire changer for Brad Kozlowski at Team Penske. Dwayne's been in the sport for 11 seasons, previously working with teams like Roush Fenway Racing and Richard Petty Motorsports. And Dwayne's younger brother, Jeremy, is the front tire carrier for Kozlowski. And after playing three sports in high school, Jeremy was looking at playing baseball in college until he got hooked on NASCAR after watching his brother in the pits during a truck series race. And lastly, we have Rowdy Harrell, rear tire carrier for Dale Earnhardt Jr. at Hendrick Motorsports. Before transitioning to NASCAR, he earned three national championships as a football walk-on at Alabama. How about that? Harrell's been part of the crew at the 88 since 2014. So once again, our nominees this week, Dwayne Ogles, his younger brother, Jeremy Ogles, and Rowdy Harrell. And in November, we're going to reveal the 2017 Pit Crew All-Star Team during championship weekend at Homestead Miami Speedway. Coming up, we're going back to Talladega, though. Sweet home, Alabama. The top five finishes at this iconic track and why it keeps drivers and crew chiefs up at night. Plus some picks from our analysts. Stay with us. playoffs is tough because a driver can't always decide his own fate at Talladega. This place can chew you up and spit you out in a hurry. And nowhere in any other sport do you not decide your own fate in the playoffs. So here is when you need to be in front of your TV this weekend. Our coverage starting on Friday afternoon, two practice sessions right here. On Saturday, we're going to have qualifying at 4 Eastern. On Sunday, catch NASCAR America at 1 Eastern, then switch over to NBC, the round of 12 continuing in the playoffs over there. So Talladega opened back in 1969, 2.66 miles. Let's check out the top five finishes at NASCAR's longest track. We'll start with number five, 1981, Ron Bouchard, Kyle making a great pass coming to the checkers. He beat Darrell Waltrip and Terry Labonte. Yeah, Buick's a high-performance machine. The Regal uh, <laughs> makes the move on the inside there. But this is what's great about Talladega. You can make that move in the tri-oval because the start-finish line is down towards turn one. Another great pass here in 2010, uh, Nate. This time, Kevin Harvick on Jamie McMurray. Yeah, this was reminiscent of the 2007 Daytona 500, Carolyn, when Kevin Harvick beat Mark Martin. He took a little bit longer to do it this time, but outcome was the same, a victory. Number three, Bry 2000, the 76th and final career win for the late Dale Earnhardt. Went from 18th to first in the final five laps. It, it was one of the greatest performances that have ever taken place at a super speedway. I remember this. I was about 13 years old, and I remember this race. I remember my dad jumping up and down. Just the performance out of Dale that day was beyond anything we'd ever seen. That's such a great memory. Number two, 2009, Brad Kozlowski, first career win. Made some contact with Carl Edwards coming to the checkers, Kyle. Yes, yeah, so let's go back to to an earlier conversation.
and a move Martin Truex would never make, okay? That's the defining moment of Brad Keselowski right there. That's how he drives restrictor blades. So says you. Number one, 2011 eight, Jimmy Johnson winning this three-wide battle photo finish. Right, Carol, and this was the second race of the famous, some might say infamous, tandem era. Uh, fans didn't really like it. Drivers, I think, loved it. Jimmy Johnson certainly loved it here. I don't know if Dale Jr.'s fan base loved it, Kyle, that he was pushing Jimmy Johnson to win and had to settle for being behind. Kyle, do you have something to offer on that moment as well? <laughs> <laughs> Let me just say, Jimmy Johnson never paid Junior back and pushed Junior to a win. So okay. uh, that's, that's for Jimmy Johnson right there. All right, we've got a couple more minutes on the show. Want to talk about the weekend, get some predictions from our analysts, but give us a little bit more than a pick. So pick a driver that you think may end up winning this race, but also how do you see this strategy unfolding this weekend, Brian? Well, just to prove Kyle wrong, I'm going with <laughs> Dale Earnhardt Jr. And I think Jimmy's going to push him to the win. Just to get just to that, that final payback um, from, the, from the victory there. So, um, although Jimmy does need to win. We'll, we'll, we shall see. I'm still going with Junior. Look, you know, like he said, I, I think he rises to the occasion. He really wants to get a win before his season's over. Talladega is the place. Um, you know, it, 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 this is probably the hardest track to pick a winner. Um, you know, and here we are. We're going to pick them anyway. Um, but it is the hardest place because there's so many variables. There's so many things that can go against you that are completely out of your control. That being said, I still believe the cream rises at the top and the best guys will be at the front. Okay, Nate, what say you about that? I love that we gave Junior 50-50 odds all show yeah. long, and now Brian Vickers is saying yeah. he's going to fire going to win. Uh, Nate, what do you think? I was going to pander to Junior Nation just like Kyle and Brian did, but I'm going to have to choose another driver. I'll go with Kyle Busch. It's a must-win situation, I think, because yeah. he hasn't performed well historically at Kansas. He wants to put Charlotte behind him, so I think he's going to win Sunday. Okay, I'm going to go with Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Okay, it's only been done three restrictor plate races. He's the guy that can can step up and do it. It's only been done once, right? One right, other time. Right. Uh, so I, I think, it, look, the way that this team has run the restrictor plate races this year, uh, he's definitely got a shot. And I'm telling you, if he slides in and wins a race in this round, it's going to break loose in the next round, I'm going to tell you. He's won the last two. He's on a roll. Okay, that is it for NASCAR America. Log on to NBCSports.com slash NASCAR always for the latest news from Dustin and from Nate. You can join us tomorrow for cup practices, like I just told you, at 1 at 3, NASCAR America, 5 p.m. Eastern. We'll be with you then. Have a great weekend. We'll see you tomorrow. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.